the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate where Danny, <laughs> Danny Cannell live in Houston. Danny's getting recognized in the Cover 3 tailgate. Danny Cannell's getting recognized everywhere. And so before we get into, yeah, we got a lot of interesting news. We've got some portal buzz. We've got huge recruiting news coming out of the weekend from the 2025 cycle. And uh, as you have seen coming here, uh, we are going to be getting into some of player props, a new tradition here on the Cover 3 podcast. But DK, you are live in Houston. You are going to be part of CBS Sports HQ's coverage of the national championship game uh, tonight. How is... The, uh, what's, what's the vibes like? What have you picked up on in your time so far uh, around these two teams and programs? Rainy is the oh. vibe today. I just I went to the gym at the hotel, and it was packed. Like zero, They had like 10 treadmills, not one. It was a zoo. So I was like, I'm going to go outside and get a run. wasn't raining when I started, but it was raining when I finished. So I'm a little bit drenched right now. Um, Houston's an interesting city, you know, like because it's spread out. It's hard to tell. They're definitely like our fans around, but I will say it's not the most buzzworthy championship game I've ever been to. Like even Indianapolis, because it's so condensed and everybody stays right there in downtown, like everybody's walking around. Like I went to the mall yesterday. We're at the Galleria at at Houston. It's a really nice mall. And there were fans there, but it wasn't like everybody was a fan. When I was in Indy, it felt like everybody's a fan. Everybody has some gear on. So 
like I don't, I don't want to bash it, but it just feels a little different, right? And I will say, thank goodness, Energy Stadium has a roof because they would absolutely need it. And hopefully it keeps the rain out, unlike SoFi Stadium last year, which did not keep out the rain at all. Yeah, the sideways rain came in and uh, even made its way to the field there at SoFi. Uh, you did you made it to Media Day on Saturday? Yeah. It, what what are we thinking about from these teams? Any 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 little tidbits that you picked up? Uh, yeah, I would say both of them are kind of loose. I think it's a veteran leadership on both teams. Uh, I guess you would expect Michigan to be loose. This is their you know third time in the playoffs. They finally get here. Um, they're kind of used to this stage. So I was more curious what Washington would be like. Fairly loose, fairly confident. Um, definitely some chip on the shoulder vibes coming from them, having been disrespected once again as the underdog. Um, but there's definitely a confidence there. Um, they've got a bunch of leaders on their team. So, yeah, I think both teams are kind of just ready to get the game on. You know, it's been a short week, which I think probably benefits Michigan, especially with Dylan Johnson's injury. I'm sure he could have used an extra day of rest and therapy to get that thing up to speed, even though I know he said he's ready to go. I'll be curious to see what that looks like, but it's um uh, it's been fun. It's been awesome. I mean, but the, like I think the other thing too that's kind of annoying for Washington fans and maybe even some Michigan fans, like the, the prevailing question buzz is what's happening with Harbaugh. I know. You know, like every question at the presser yesterday is like, "Where are you going to do after the game?" And he's like, "Can I just play a game first? But that's kind of the buzz around town is what's he going to do? That's well, you know, he could take care of that. Oh, exactly. He, <laughs> he could that. just yeah. answer the question. <laughs> I mean, that's the. I mean, that's just the NFL, right? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. We're just, and we're dealing with an NFL coaching carousel where what eight, anywhere from six to eight jobs could be open. Um, <clears throat> I don't, you know, keep keep it up. Follow Jonathan Jones at CBSSports.com for all the latest. Um, like it's it's a little bit wild that you know Jim Harbaugh is going to have his name connected to like five jobs starting today and it's going to be all the uh, news cycle from sort of like your big NFL news outlets and then here on Monday night got to go out there and try to win uh, the program's first national championship since 1997 no big deal right no big deal (laughs) all right let's uh let's get into some news from over the weekend Uh, LSU so it looked as though, based on you know memes and social media, that Missouri defensive coordinator Blake Baker was going to be sticking around, right? You know, he he hit us with that Wolf of Wall Street. You know, I'm I'm, I'm back, and he's gone. Uh, LSU announces that uh, that Blake Baker will be the new defensive coordinator there. But I'm, I'm going to throw it to you first. You are uh, in Nashville, also on the road, but you are at the coaches' convention. So I don't know if you've gotten any reaction from other coaches there, or just your own thoughts on uh, LSU. As remember, we've got just total clear into the house of the defensive side. Offense, you're reworking the staff as well as you lose Mike Denbrock to Notre Dame. Uh, what do you make of LSU's hire here uh, before we get to their big recruiting win over the weekend as well? Yeah, so convention's been pretty good so far, you know, seeing a lot of coaches. There's a lot of complaining about the portal and the portal windows and, and just how insane uh, the calendar is. And a lot of people are, are parroting Lane Kiffin's phrase about, I can't believe we do free agency during the season, right? Like the NFL would not do free agency during their playoffs. Uh, but we do because this is a uh, sport that academics matters. So uh, we have to follow the academic calendar. Um, all right. So I think Baker's a good get for LSU. I also, transparency, I thought Matt House was going to be a good get. And that that did not work out. I mean, a lot of their personnel decisions they made on the defensive side ended up being a disaster. They, they took four corners in the portal and none were playing by Halloween. 
Yeah. I think a lot of us, like one of our biggest plays of the year was Bama to smoke LSU. Cause like who's going to play for LSU in, in that game. So it, it's a little bit hard for me to separate coaching versus personnel, but at a certain point, if you have not had success, your message starts to ring hollow, even if it's not your fault. And I don't really know how to separate some of the personnel stuff LSU has had, but they also didn't look very well coached. So maybe that is on Matt House. But I think some some fresh ideas, kind of new blood there. Baker's a really, really aggressive guy. I think you'll see number four coming off the edge an awful lot for them, and they'll just probably simplify it and have him go get the passer if they can uh, and worry about what he plays in the NFL when he makes it to the NFL. And for Missouri – I think it sucks. Like they were making a big deal about retaining Baker. However, I will note Missouri has a lot of young coaches on that staff who have done a nice job with player development. Who have, they really hit it hard on the recruiting trail. It's it's not just NIL for Missouri, right? It's not just hey we're buying everybody. Like yeah, they're NIL. Their act is together, so to speak, in NIL. But they also have a young, engaging coaching staff that works their butts off in recruiting, and I think it's done a pretty good job. And I think not all those guys are leaving with Baker to go to LSU. So I think Missouri will probably be okay. And if you're an LSU fan, you have to hope that they can kind of, you know, port over some of that stuff that he did for Missouri. Yeah, I, I think it's a good hire for LSU. It's also one of those things to me, and I tweeted this when the news broke, that LSU's defense was so bad last year that Blake Baker is now the highest paid coordinator in the country. And it's nothing against Blake Baker. Who I think he's a good coach. It's just if you were to get if, if you were to just go up, who's the highest paid coordinator in college football? Blake Baker would probably not be in the first 20, 25 names that anybody mentioned, but that's the situation here because that's what LSU obviously feels like it needs to do. Yeah, like, but you were just – I think it's a good hire for LSU. I think he's a good coordinator, but I, I, I don't think Mizzou is in any real trouble because I do think that that is a very good coaching staff, and they'll probably promote from within, and they'll be okay. Do we have any rock star defensive coordinators in college football right now? Um, Oklahoma made an interesting hire. They took the the, uh, the guy, the 29-year-old from Jacksonville State, who I thought did uh, a much better job than I was anticipating this year. I, I really thought Jacksonville State's defensive personnel was not great. They were not a good defense in the FCS. I was anticipating them playing pretty poor defense, and I had to adjust my numbers quickly on them uh, after the first couple weeks. And I did, they played UTEP to start the season. Who did they play week two? I, I know they played UTEP in the opener, but it – they had some pretty good defensive performances. And so Brent Venables, a guy who I think has done a nice job identifying defensive coaches over the years, picked him out. And that was kind of it's like, okay, I'm taking note of that 29-year-old defensive coordinator here. He's from like the Venables tree, though, right? Like he's – aren't they he familiar was, with him? Yeah. 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 I, I think Mentor at, uh, at Michigan is, is another good one. Jesse Mentor. I was, that, that probably came to mind. I mean, you got to give Glenn Schumann probably – a, a, a note, right, or at least a tip of the cap. I, I it just there are there's times only where, one, there's only one Phil Parker. There we go. I mean, yeah. there's only one because all these schools have top tier talent. Like it's kind of it's a you know interesting coincidence that some of the t- the teams with the better athletes have the best defensive coordinators. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of funny how that works sometimes. You know, when you mentioned Harold Perkins, like m- remember when when they decided to move him. And my thought at the time, I think we even discussed it on here, was, well, they must be deep at edge if they're going to move Harold Perkins uh, to back you know, into uh, linebacker. And maybe there was a philosophical difference of why they moved him back and clearly didn't get the production that we thought after watching the Arkansas game last year. That was a game he took over single-handedly, right? And it was like, oh, this could be the next Will Anderson Jr. type player. Um, and granted, he's not the same size, but 
I mean, I, the coordinator hires are great. I think they matter more on offense, but I think in both sides of the football, it's more about the Jimmys and the Joes than the X's and O's always. What's it? Uh, height, weight, speed. That's our deep. Like, how, how are we going to judge a defense? The, mm-hmm. the, who awesome. you got out there? Yeah. All right. Keeping it with LSU. Um, number one player in the 2025 cycle, Bryce Underwood, uh, adds to a group for the Tigers that here in, again, very, very early stages of the process, kind of stocked with some offensive talent. But who are we, what, who are we looking at in Bryce Underwood? What kind of prospect is this? And what do you make of the uh, this LSU positive momentum? Sure. So a, a, a true national uh, recruitment here by LSU beat out a lot of top-tier programs for the number one player in the country. Underwood's a quarterback, big-time tools, arm and legs, can make things happen from the pocket, but also a real danger uh, when he's out of the pocket. I, the level of athleticism here is enough to where I think Genuinely, he would be a D1 recruit. Maybe not like a super high-level Power 5 guy, but if he wanted to play another position even. So LSU is getting a guy who can be a real threat if you don't account for him with your defensive structure, much like Jaden Daniels was, but who I think also has real upside long-term as a passer. Everybody in the country like this kid. And uh, look, it's super early. You can be number one in the country and, you know, finish like 150th in the country it's super early and we really do try to try to monitor what happens during a senior season a lot because i think that's probably the most important season to evaluate because everybody matures physically and emotionally and just kind of mentally on different timelines and everybody's different ages too so we'll be monitoring it but right now and even if he doesn't finish number one this is a serious gift for them like he has real ability who led the charge here because remember we haven't had mike denbrock left on december 22nd that offensive coordinator position, as far as I know, has not been officially filled. So is it is this Brian Kelly leading the charge, or who else on that staff is? It? <laughs> I mean, seriously, is it, is I'm, it, I'm, it is, is it, about the offers, don't you think? I mean, assistant coach, name, image, and likeness. <laughs> no, right. no, their uh, their their quarterback coach Joe Sloan is <coughs> kind of rapidly getting a reputation, and, and I think he should. By the Good. way. Um, I, I mean, I was not high on Jaden Daniels entering the season. Like, I we saw his receivers kind of uh, what's the right? I can't really say that what the word I want to use here. Complaining to him uh, about missing them when they were when they were open down the field, right? Turning touchdowns in like Daniels in twenty two turned touchdowns into first downs, or he wouldn't pull the trigger, right? And then like you could see it, neighbors and uh, who was Brian the other Thomas. guy they had, and Thomas and and no, the, the guy who's in the NFL now, um, Ute. Uh, yes. They would like they were stopping, man. They're like, damn it, Jaden, throw the, throw the ball. Like, what what are you doing? We're open. And this year, he's like, oh, I'm gonna pull the trigger. And guess what? I'm super accurate when I pull the trigger. Like, I, that's one of the biggest jumps that I've seen in a quarterback. And I think Joe Sloan does deserve some credit for that. So, um, yeah, LSU's got a. They're doing well in high school recruiting. Good, good sign uh, moving forward for LSU. Again, a program we've got our eyes on uh, as we look at the new expanded SEC, trying to figure out where they fit heading into 2024. Coming up on the other side, we have uh, you know, Sir Snapslot winds up at Ohio State, uh, former blue chip uh, USC quarterback lands where? And Caden Salter has a destination, and it's a familiar one. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. 
That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, as always, live on Mondays at 11 a.m., Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, of course. But I want to sort of time this and date this because there's, I think, a larger Ohio State portal movement discussion that pairs with uh, the addition of Seth McLaughlin, the former Alabama uh, center committing to the Buckeyes because over the weekend we get Seth McLaughlin. He had 14 starts for the Crimson Tide this year, 25 starts across his career. Versatile player, you know, could be center, could end up playing at guard. You know, I think a lot of different options for Ohio State. He follows the addition of Will Howard, the former Kansas State quarterback. And as of an Instagram story this morning, Quinshawn Judkins is in Columbus, Ohio, according to his Instagram story. Um, Danny, what do we make of this Ohio State you know, offensive portal movement? I mean, is this a chips to the middle of the table? You're, you're sensing your opportunity to take the Big Ten back? No, this is uh, we've lost three times to Michigan and we're watching them play for a national championship. We'll do whatever it takes. We will move mountains to get back to the top of the Big Ten. Um it's a combination of all of it, right? I mean, I think they realize, you know, maybe some of the areas they're lacking. Um, clearly, quarterback was an issue. I don't you know. This is kind of the move, too. You've got a talented quarterback coming in and Aaron Nolan, but you want to make sure you've got a sure thing. I do think Will Howard is an upgrade. And then you can go around and you can chop around and make some of these moves that will enhance your roster. And I think they're all upgrades Travion's off to the NFL you got a workhorse like Quinchon is looking to get paid they've got them deep pockets they can pay him um and then I would say with McLaughlin you mentioned him rotating along the offensive line I hope either they're running a lot of under center or they move him to guard because I don't know if that's ever getting fixed and my goodness the first bad snap he has I mean you feel bad it's almost like a kicker you know who misses a wide right or misses one of those field goals it just becomes a thing I'm not joking when I say like he either needs to figure that out and it never happens again or move positions. Like go to guard. There's no shame in that. Is Trevian off to the NFL? Is that official? Oh, I just assumed. I was assuming I, as well, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know that that's official yet. Um this is the result of pressure. Yep. I mean, Ohio State's gonna look different next year. It's not gonna be what we've seen. Like if you think back to what Ohio State was when it won the national title in 2014 with like, yeah, Cardale Jones was the quarterback in the title game because they were injured. It was JT Barrett. It was yeah. a much more QB run heavy kind of Urban Meyer system that Urban has always kind of used with his spread. Then Ryan Day came in and we saw it become much more. I mean, Justin Fields was a runner, but they didn't really use him. Like there weren't a ton of designed runs for Justin Fields in that offense. It was more of a pocket passer kind of, you know, spread offense NFL style that you saw with Stroud, you saw with Haskins. 
And then you lose to Michigan two years in a row and you come in this season and you say, we're going to lean more on the run game because one of the critiques about Ryan Day was they abandoned the run too much. And you saw it. And you saw it early in the year. Like, I'd like to know what Lou Holtz thinks right now because, like, Ryan Day, is he hears the criticism and it gets to him. And he was like, okay, they they say we're not tough, so we're going to be tough this year. Wasn't tough enough. They still lose to Michigan. So now what are they doing? They're going back to what they were doing when they won the national title in 24. That's why Will Howard's coming in. Will Howard's not a better passer than Kyle McCord. Like, if you look at their numbers, especially past, like, the 15-yard mark in air yards, it's not the same thing. Kyle McCord, it was much better throwing down the field, and obviously you could say he had better targets at Ohio State, which he did. But they are not going to be a better passing offense with Will Howard than they already were. They're clearly trying to change their identity and what they do. So that's why I'm surprised Quinshawn Judkins is there, but that could be a signal of what Trevion's future is. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they have both Trevion and Quinshawn Judkins in there because I think they are going to be leaning more and more on the run game and their defense. In other words, they're trying to be Michigan. It's not the other way around anymore. And I feel like I get that. That's the sense I get from what's going on in Ohio State. And I think that is the result of Ryan Day kind of feeling some heat. Because, again, like Danny said, they've lost three straight to Michigan. They haven't won the Big Ten. And Michigan might be a national champion by the end of the night. I was going through work, like workshop in a top 25. Hi, West Virginia fans. Hi, Washington fans. Hi, Oklahoma State fans. Love y'all. And, uh, by the way, some West Virginia fans – they found my cash app and they sent me $1 request for not knowing ball, which I got to give it to you guys is really that that is elite trash talk. I, I, I am game respect game. Uh, I think it's Georgia or the field next year. However, I, I do think like Ohio State's one of the teams that could if they're getting all these guys back on defense. because I do generally trust Ryan Day to score points um, and like they're like the guys they got coming back. I think the upgrade at quarterback, like that's going to be a, an interesting team to watch. But what do you make of Malachi Nelson winding up at Boise State? Cause when you've got that kind of recruiting profile, when you went to USC as a Lincoln Riley stamp of approval, well, maybe it's not if they're letting him walk, but <clears throat> I mean, you, one side, great get for the Broncos. We don't we don't see a lot of uh, players of that kind of pedigree or that kind of you know projection coming out of high school wind up playing on the Smurf turf. But um, does it, do we change our expectations for Malachi Nelson when we see him finally suiting up in the Mountain West next year? I do a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if we're being honest about this, right? Yeah. I, I think it is. Uh, it, again, if if I'm going to sit here and say, like, I think you have to at least pay attention to what the market is saying about these players, the market of college ball offers and the market of the transfer portal. For instance, McCord going to Syracuse. Right. We think Syracuse is one of the worst jobs in the power five. That probably says something in, in what is not a great year for quarterbacks that he falls all the way to Syracuse. You know, Syracuse fans will disagree with that. I don't care. Now, if Ohio state and a couple other good schools wanted Howard, like to me, does that mean that Howard's way better than McCord? Not necessarily, but probably somewhat of an improvement, or at least maybe a, 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 you know what they're going to do with him is different. I do think ending up at a G5 school from USC is uh, is a bit of a fall from grace. It doesn't mean it can't work out. Maybe it can. I have questions like, what's the shoulder like now after he had the procedure? Like, mm. Was that something serious? I, I don't know. Uh, what, what was the feedback schools got from USC when asked about him? Again, I don't know. So – 
I think my feeling is kind of what your feeling is. Like That's a little odd, right, for a guy who was that highly recruited to fall that far. But it also could work out and be a huge steal for Boise. Like They also took Cam Camper, who two years ago was really good and last year was hurt a bunch. Maybe he bounces back. I, I, maybe Boise has found the new market inefficiency, which is taking guys who got hurt and are going to bounce back better than expected. I, I, I don't know. It, it, I'm, I'm going to be watching it closely, though, because if he hits, they're a real problem in the Mountain West, right? If he doesn't, but people are going to still see, oh, you got a five-star on your roster, which, you know, makes it hard to attract other guys. Yeah. I mean, if, if we thought Kyle McCord going to Syracuse was a result of the market for Kyle McCord, what do you think it says about the market for Malachi Nelson? Right. Right. I mean, I, and just hearing some of the vibe coming out from USC, I mean, I, it's, I mean, I think the term bust is going to be one we start to use. Um, you know, with five stars that have high expectations that go there with, you know, we're going to be an All-American or you're going to win a national championship. I don't, it's too early to say that, but I do think it's a fall from grace, like you're saying. And I do think it's a it's a result of whatever people were talking about. And when you call and say, hey, what's the deal with Malachi Nelson? For whatever reason, there weren't a lot of suitors for him. So I think that's why he's at Boise State. And I hope he crushes it. I think it'd be great. Yeah. No, I mean, that's... Uh... That is a spot where we remember what Boise did with the midseason turnaround, being able to get yourself uh, all the way into the conference championship game. Like, there's got to be a lot of confidence within that locker room that they have things going in the right direction and that they have, re after a very brief hiccup, have reestablished themselves as the class of that conference. You're going into them next season, being like, all right, Boise and who else is going to be on the top tier in the Mountain West? So, if it works out, that's awesome for Malachi. And yeah. obviously very good news for uh for and somebody put in the chat LSU versus I don't know what the name is, but he said especially with like Dante Moore, who didn't play great, made a lot of freshman mistakes, like they're willing to bring him on with Dylan Gabriel saying, We'll take him on, we'll pay him. I think you still see like the upside there. And when you talk to the staff, I'm sure they're probably, you know, positive reviews and you can still see some potential to revive his career and, and reach the potential he had coming out of high school. What's our other? So we had uh, we had T.J. Finley at Texas State. We had we had a, a couple of examples. That's just the one off the top of my head. But like that, we had a couple of examples this year of former Power Five quarterbacks that dropping down a level were great and and like really helped their team experience some some big time success. So uh, you know maybe that is the path for Malachi Nelson and Boise State ain't Texas State. I mean, much love to G.J. Kinney, but. That's that's a <clears throat> program that will be looking to compete for playoff bids. Yeah, you know, as we have those five automatic bids going to conference champions, uh, that will be one that I think the Broncos are going to be hoping to get a part of. All right, one last one. Speaking of uh, the group of five, good news for the Liberty Flames. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just I'm counting my money from from the the day trading market has been good on Caden Salter. I mean, do we remember that was one of the first weeks? So I'm just counting my returns on Caden Salter. Day trading, Danny had that one on the pink stem. That was a high, high risk, high reward, and it paid off. Counting my winnings. There's not even a casino nearby. Why are you rolling around with that much cash? There's a lot of ones tucked behind it. Trust me. All right. <laughs> um, so yeah, Caden Salter enters the transfer portal. Um, I think we even, when we discuss it here, a little bit surprised considering how Jamie Chadwell's offense kind of seems to set up for him to do well. Uh, Tom, do we just think this was a, a negotiating tactic? Could have been. I think this is a smart young man who understands how the market works in that he was a very good quarterback for Liberty this year. There is a 12-team playoff coming next year, and Liberty is 
poised to be in a position where they are going to be competing for that at-large berth every single season. They got the New Year's Six berth. Maybe this was the other one that said, I'm going to go in the portal. I'm going to see what's out there. But I also know that Liberty might feel like we need to keep this guy and maybe we need to raise some funds to make sure that he stays here. So I think that this is just a quarterback showing excellent decision-making skills being aware of his market <laughs> and taking full advantage of it. And I hope it works out really well. Cause I mean, like Liberty is poised next year. We, we talk about Malachi Nelson going to Boise. There's going to be other good G five schools, like, but SMU is going to the ACC. So they're no longer in that kind of category of, you know, G five. So the pathway to the playoff is pretty wide open for Liberty. So to make sure they keep the guy that helped them get to new year's six bowl this year, I think is very important for them. And I think it was a wise decision. But I also am a little surprised there might not have been as much interest in him. But maybe he was never again. Maybe he was never really that interested in leaving. Maybe he was just negotiating a little bit. Yeah, I, I think he likes it there, right? We, A lot of us, when we first saw it, it was like, all right, I guess Auburn. But we don't actually know that he likes Hugh Freeze and those guys. We're just sort of assuming it. Like, he mm-hmm. didn't play for him, but I don't know. I love uh, Liberty mistake, by the way. Like whether it's like coaches who used to work together or players who used to be for coaches, like, oh man, that instant connection. And then you like actually talk to him behind the scenes years later. And it's like, I don't like that guy. <laughs> um, I think it's a great gift for Liberty that he, he's yeah. coming back. I mean, at, at, at that level, you just really can't guard him. I mean, what, what Western played him well for like a half. Uh, they screwed around. The, the, probably the closest game they played was what, the Sam Houston game? Mm-hmm. I think. And Sam Houston is a really good defense. They just don't have any offense, and eventually they still won that. I, Liberty has some real NIL for the G5 level, too. Like, their NIL, I guarantee you, is better than some P5 programs. So, hopefully he got a, he got some kind of bag. I, I would assume he did. I think he did for sure. Yeah, Liberty. The I think there was probably a market. Liberty's got a strong desire to be perceived as an up-and-comer in the college football space. Right. right. I mean, they were desperate to join a conference. They get in, they dominate it in year one. Um, they got a player who played really well. They weren't going to let him go. I think I, I'd, I'd love to know the potential suitors because I do think there were some out there. And I think Liberty, you know, matched whatever yeah. offers were out there for him. I think they have a strong desire to, you know, to really keep this thing rolling. I mean, it, and they, it wasn't cheap to go get Chadwell. Remember, Jamie Chadwell's market was pretty high. And I think a lot yeah. of people were like, oh, he's going to Liberty? Like, he was on a trajectory to potentially be a Power 5 head coach at a good program. Like, his name came up a lot, and they were able to yeah. get him. Like, they got some money. Yeah, they passed I, that like, collection I, I later on. I strongly believe – no, sorry, Tom. No, no go ahead. I, I was just making a joke. I, I, I believe that Chadwell could have had USF and Georgia Tech last year right. and, and chose Liberty. So – I don't know if we can prove that, but that's based on what I'd heard. Like, I, I do believe that. Um, it's a good job. They did lose some guys, though. Like, it's not like Liberty's going to pay up and keep everybody. The receiver who they lost is a legitimate NFL-type guy, you know, who's going to go. Did he commit to Texas? I, I know he was looking at it. Um, did he? Wait, he came back to Liberty, that kid? Mm-hmm. I'd be, be interested to see that. Oh, and then they lost Don Don is our Liberty correspondent, yeah, Don, so yeah, I would Don, trust him. Don in the Cover Three tailgate, we we love having you around. We appreciate it. We're glad we're able to deliver this Liberty segment for you. This is for you, Don. Yes, yeah, um, and they also lost a corner who initially got a lot of interest, and then 
I think a little bit less interest as he visited around, but still had like legitimate P5 interest. He ended up going to Colorado. And I think she'll probably start opposite of Travis Hunter um, or at least play a good bit in their nickel packages. So like they have lost some good players for sure, but ponying up to keep Salter, I think is, is huge. Good sign for Liberty. <clears throat> All right. So we had a question from the cover three tailgate. Um, what sports books can you bet player props? Lots of them. And one that I know of, it's FanDuel Sportsbook, make every moment more. So we're going to dive into player props for the national championship game next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You see that little QR code? You see that little QR code right there? Yeah, you do. Because we are a finalist for the Sports Podcast Awards for Best American Football Podcast. And what we need to do now in order to bring home that hardware is for you to go and vote. So if you're watching live, scan the QR code. The whole process only takes you about 30 seconds to go vote for us. We have been a finalist before. We have not won the award. Let's change that this year. The Cover 3 tailgate gets us to this point. Now we need your help to bring it home. Uh, we also, if you're listening to this, that are going to have a link in the episode description wherever you get your podcast. If you are also watching this and you don't want to scan the QR code or you're on a you know work call, obviously watching us as well, we also are going to have a link to go vote in the episode description on YouTube. So YouTube description, audio description, scan the QR code, lots of ways to do it, only 30 seconds. Again, we are finalist in the best American football category of Best American Football Podcast category of the Sports Podcast Award. So we appreciate you for getting us this far. Now let's bring it on home and get that trophy. All right. Let's uh, turn our attention to this evening's game. We already unloaded all of our thoughts on the game, on the total, on some of the quarters and the halves and the ways to play it. So now in a new tradition here on the Cover 3 podcast for Monday, on the day of the title game, we're going to get into some player props. A couple of sort of you know headliner ones just to get everybody's thoughts uh, for the fans that just want to dabble. And then we'll go nitty gritty with our best bets, anything that we want to pull off the odds board. Let's begin with the uh, most prolific quarterback in this 
matchup. Washington's Michael Penix Jr. His over-under at FanDuel Sportsbook pulled this morning at 292 and a half. Danny, how would you approach that one? I probably wouldn't bet it. Um, if I was going to, I'd probably say under. Um, again, I'm leaning Michigan. I'm leaning under in the total. But I could also see Michigan, especially if they do get a lead, playing a little bit more conservatively, keep them in front. Let's just not give up the big plays. Let's not give up touchdowns. And if Washington gets down, I mean, I do think that's going to be the way they move the the move the ball. I'd probably lean over if I was going to take one, but I think this is an avoid for me. I'd say over. Um, he averages about around 330 for the season as a whole. Uh, you know, if you want to talk about, he, he went under at Oregon State, it was a total rainstorm. He went under against Washington State. That's one that you got to keep your eyes on. He was under at USC because Dylan Johnson had about 300 rushing yards. I'm not expecting that to happen. He went under against Arizona State. Again, we have discussed his form exactly where he was. If, if we believe that Michael Penix is going to be anywhere close to 100% in terms of his health and in terms of his availability, then it's going to be... I don't know if it's going to be 400, but I mean, look, 490, 454, 536, 389, 363, 316, 369, 332. And again, like 430 uh, just in the semifinal win against Texas. I see this being a spot where sometimes Michael Penick's passing yards are going to have to be an extension of the run game, that it's going to have to be some quick game. It's going to have to be screen passes. It's going to have to be ways to get a, the ball away from that massive Michigan defensive line. See if your guys can win some on the perimeter. So like 292 air yards, not sure about that. But when we factor in the screen game and everything else, I think I'd go over. Better question is, if he does go over, should we move Heisman voting until after the title game? <laughs> no. No, no, Boy, no. That was popular. There were oh, yeah. a lot of articles written. No, it's a regular season award. I got an idea. What if we had the Heisman Trophy and then in the playoff era, we create a separate award called the CFP MVP? What if yes. we just do that? Yes. Wow. No, let's change the Heisman because the guy that finished second had a really good game after the voting. Um, I would go over here. I'm not betting it. I'm like Danny, but I do think over is very much in play. I think that especially like if Washington is winning, it's probably going to be because Michael Penix is throwing for a lot of yards. If Washington is losing, Michael Penix is going to be throwing a lot. So I, I, I kind of like the over here, but I'm not betting it. I, I kind of like the under uh, if I had to bet it. Uh, I, and that's mainly because of pace. I don't know how many possessions this game is going to have. Uh, I do have a slight lean to Michigan in the game, which means I think this, it, this is really important. Like, I know we're talking specifically about the, the Penix thing here, but, like, if you're betting props, you need to sort of have a, a, a vision for how you see the game playing out, right? And your props should probably make sense within that vision. Or you can just spray the board and, you know, just kind of juice out, right? Like, And you'll, you'll probably lose – like, you'll lose money overall, but, like, you know, you, you, you have, have a great time, you know, right. Like tip, tip the dealer. <laughs> and get it value. If you like Washington, it's hard to see this not going over um, because we also don't know what Dylan Johnson is going to be. Is he healthy? I don't know. Um, if he doesn't play, I think it suggests a even higher passing game script, even within the context of potentially a low possession game due to tempo. 
Uh, but Johnson's also an elite blitz pickup guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how good the Washington backups are if Johnson either does not play, which he's expected to play according to Washington. We'll see. Uh, he was carted off, so I'm color me skeptical. Or if he's not 100%. So you have to factor that in. I, I'm rambling here on something I don't have a strong uh, lean on. But just to for That's the opening time, I'll go here. Like, kind of picture how you see the, the game playing out and then try to you know, make sure that the bets you're placing are sort of correlated or at least like not against one another, right? If Dylan, jo- I think Dylan Johnson is going to play. And what you just mentioned is what I realized is, is the reason he's going to be out there. Because while he might not be 100% for the kind of explosiveness that allows him to you know get through a hole and, and have a big time gain, his mental, like Kalen DeBoer has talked a lot about Dylan Johnson's mental ability to look at what's happening, be in the right position. He's in total sync with that offensive line that we've talked about a lot. That if he is strong enough to like hold his weight on that foot that's injured, that he's been working, he's been playing on an injured foot for a lot of the season and having to manage that. If he can hold his weight, then his value in blitz pickup is worth it. Um, and I think they can find other ways to get the the groundwork that they need out of that. Uh, you mentioned, so Washington had 12 offensive possessions in the semifinal against Texas. Uh, do you think they will have over or under nine and a half against Michigan? The end of halves count? Ooh, they might count in the number I just pulled. So it might be 12. Over. Okay. I. Speaking of Johnson, I, I haven't found anywhere that has Johnson receiving yards. But if he's in there, I think they're going to want him in pass protection. Now, he did catch a couple balls against Texas. Um, but I, I would, even at a small number, I, I would potentially consider that. Let's go to the Wolverine signal caller, J.J. McCarthy, over under of 199 and a half. DK, how would you approach this one? Over. Um, I, I probably like his passing touchdowns. What is that? Is that a two and a half? Can I get two and a half over two and a half touchdowns? I think that's one and a half at plus odds that's a, is what I saw. Wow. That would be the one I like because I do. So I, I again, leaning Michigan, I think Michigan has a big day. I do think Washington is going to sell out versus the run. I, I, I don't think you can sit back and stop them in a traditional set. I think they're going to bring, you know, guys in the box and that's where JJ has excelled in these types of games whether it was last year versus Ohio State this year what he just did against Bama and that opens up the door uh, for him to score so I, if I, if it's one and a half touchdowns I love the over there the yardage I don't know I, that one worries me a little bit more because I don't again could you hit one of those big plays sure but they really do kind of in the red zone that's when they take their shots so, I mean season average is 203 Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's, we're, we're kind of right around what you normally get. And uh, I'm looking at FanDuel Sportsbook right now. JJ McCarthy is at one and a half, and that over is at plus 134. Mm-mm. Anybody thinks you can get uh, get two touchdown passes out of, uh, out of the quarterback who Jim Harbaugh praises as one of the greatest in Michigan football program history? Uh, what, what do y'all think? <clears throat> we can keep it moving. We don't have to do like full breakdowns. I know the Michael Penix yards one this was, is over the game script. Generate a lot of all game script. Yeah, this is overly game script. Like, if Michigan's ahead early, it's going to be under. If Michigan's behind, it's going to be over. So, right. bet it live. What yeah. about Blake Corum? Uh, over under 102.5 rushing yards. Trivia question for you. 
Yes. Michigan has played 14 games this year. Mm-hmm. How many of them have Blake Corn rushed for 103 yards or more in? Two. One. Oh. One. He's only gone over 103 yards once against Penn State. Under. Again, this is my this is what I've talked about. One Blake at Corbin. 102. Is that what it was? He finished with 101 against uh, Indiana, I think. I can't remember, but he had 145 against Penn State. This is the thing with Corum all year. He's got touchdowns. He does not have yards. And his workload has increased as the season has gone on, but so has his yards per carry has decreased. So under. I think they will hand it off to him a lot, but I do not think it will be the Blake Corum show. I think it will be a, a cavalcade of stars for the Michigan rushing attack. That's why I kind of like more Edwards. That's mm-hmm. I like his over. What's his over still? Because it was at 25 and a half. And a half or 26 and a half enough. last I looked. I Something know he's done, I think, five or six times, especially mm-hmm. for the last, oh, let me see, the, the regular season he finished over that total one, two, three, four times in a row. Um, didn't against Bama. But I, I think this is going to be a running back by committee. They're going to run it a lot. And he's a big play. He's the big play guy. So I could see him rattling off one rush for 12 or 15 yards. And then you only need a couple more. Yeah. There you go. I, yeah. I, go ahead, Chip. I like, uh, I like Blake Corum rushing attempts under. They threw that thing at 21 and a half. And then, like, back to your point, Tom, that's just not something that's happened. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was 19 against Alabama, but I, I thought that was a reaction to the market. Where you're just gonna think like, oh man, the guy who just won the game. I I don't see uh with if you also believe Donovan Edwards is gonna be more involved, and I I totally agree with that. I think Blake Corum rushing attempts under 21 and a half uh might be a, a good spot. I I play almost exclusively unders when I play player props. Um, but I do and this is on FanDuel, I, I actually do like Corum over five and a half receiving yards. Oh, that's one screen pass. Yeah, t- teams have been able to uh, to isolate some of these Washington backers in coverage, um, and I think Michigan will attempt to do that. They also Washington they they do blitz a lot. They bring guys a lot, and, and I, I think they showed their hands some against Texas. So my guess here is that Michigan, who also threw the ball to the backs quite a bit against Alabama. Uh, we'll, we'll look to continue to do so. Um, it, it seems like that's something that McCarthy is comfortable doing. He seems to hit guys in stride there. Uh, even though like he missed Wilson and Johnson uh, some down the field against Alabama, he, he did hit the backs in stride pretty well. So that, it seems like that just for whatever reason, certain guys like certain throws, right? You know, certain hitters like certain, you know, batter, batter eyes. And that just seems to be a throw McCarthy's comfortable making. So uh, I, I don't hate the over five and a half there at all. I actually did bet a little bit of that. Um, so we all like Donovan Edwards rushing over. Seems like we're all yes. kind of in that. Okay, so we'll keep that it moving. That was one here. of my personal picks, even before you included it in the rundown. So sweet. Um, and then, uh, Bud, let's go right back to you. You've got a good note. Roma Dunze over under 89 and a half receiving yards. Uh, what about this matchup is, is sort of getting your attention when trying to break that down? Again, so like you have to anticipate how Michigan's defense is going to attempt to play the Washington offense. Uh, Washington's offense is a heavy screen offense uh, to the receivers. So they throw the ball all the time. They throw a lot of screens and they generally get you to stay in two deep looks because most people don't have the, the personnel to handle those receivers vertically uh, down the field. But I went back and I watched the games that Michigan has played against Marvin Harrison. And 
They don't always keep Will Johnson on the number one, but they did on Harrison. So if we're kind of, kind of, I mean, it's a guess here because we don't know what they will do, but that's the best receiver they've seen all year. Odunze is basically on that level. Uh, we can debate who's better for Kyle or for pro or whatever, but I mean, I think we'd all agree they're both studs. And Johnson is their best cover corner by quite a bit. The, the UMass transfer they took, Wallace, is is okay. And I, I think Saints Drill, the, the converted receiver who they put at a nickel, is a pretty decent corner as well. But uh, Johnson is a different level guy. So it wouldn't shock me if they do decide to travel the corner and, and have him uh, match Adunze. And, uh, and That's we'll so tough, that though. Like, aren't you going to get – I mean, I'm just thinking about this, like, just – watching Washington and, and the way that they just move their formations around, you know, they've got them tight, then they break out wide, then they're switching sides. If you're yeah. just, if you're keeping Will Johnson just on Rome the entire game, some, something's going to get messed up structurally with your defense at some point. And to counter what they did, Ohio State uh, did a lot more motion with the receivers this year and they, they would get Johnson off of him some. So, like initially, he would line up against Marv uh, Harrison, but they did not. He didn't always stay on it. Like, like they, when they went to widen the formation, it wasn't as if they, they would take safety out outside and leave Johnson locked up on Harrison when, when Harrison became the slot player, right? Like when you're running the stuff to the field and you, you shift out like that. So that is something to watch for for sure because Washington does a great job of formation and shifts of motion uh, to get the matchups that they want. And Penix seems to have a great understanding of what like he kind of gets the why i think like why are we doing this what are we looking for okay here's what we got and and seems to i don't know he doesn't make a lot of like what was he trying to do there type stuff occasionally he'll just be erratic but yeah what do y'all think rome over did you see how it's come down i mean i did this prop last week it was a 96 a 96 and a half i think and it was under he's been over 100 yards what 10 out of 14 yeah, games, but see that to me says it's begging you to go over. And Bud's philosophy, I think, is usually right on the props. But man, I this one's in a void for me again. I know I sound like a chicken, but <laughs> over. <laughs> I mean, over. Just- <clears throat> that dude is phenomenal. That's a, that is it's best receiver Michigan seen all year. That's right. Go. Yeah, would would draft him ahead of Marvin Harrison. Says Tom Fernelli mm-hmm. on the Cover 3 podcast. All right, Danny. Well, you got the full board. Here we go. Anything you want. Uh, anytime touchdown score, uh, you know, a Jack Westover receiving yards, Jalen Polk touchdown score, it, anything that you want to get on. You know, may, Maybe you've got a Colson Loveland, you know, anytime touchdown on, on the board right there. What are some of your favorite props um, looking at tonight's matchup? I'll go anytime touchdown Roman Wilson, you know, talking really kind of correlating between JJ McCarthy going over one and a half uh, touchdown passes. Um, if he's going to get, you know, a couple, I think one of them would be to him. He had the big catch uh, in the game, the ball that was tipped. Um, I think he could see the end zone plus 182 is pretty good value. Um, so again, kind of like Bud said, trying to find my bets the way I think the game plays out. I think that could be an opportunity for Michigan to get points on the board. I would go under for for the Dunze thing. Um, all right, so some other stuff. You would go under on that one. Yeah, I I, I right. think I would. I I think if you're Michigan, you you want to force the other guys to beat you, and then they they might be able to do so. Uh, all right, so other stuff I like here. Um, 
I actually kind of like both Michigan receivers under the three and a half receptions. Um, I think that if I was going to play an over on the Michigan receivers, it would be yardage because I think that they have the potential to hit explosive plays. But I, I do think Michigan can move this Washington defensive line. Um, and I think if you're Michigan and you've watched Washington games this year, you're probably like, man, I wish Texas would have stuck with the run a little more. I wish you know, this team wouldn't have gotten game scripted out of the run uh, in, in this situation because of, of the score, you know, scoreboard. So I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of drop back passing for Michigan. Um, so I, if I was going to attack the Michigan receiving props on the receivers, I would be receptions under, you know, potentially yards over if I wanted to play an over, which I don't necessarily, but um, you know, I, I think it's, that's certainly a possibility to look for. Uh Texas threw the ball to Sanders a ton. Mm. Bama covered Colston Loveland pretty well, I thought. And I don't think Washington will cover the tight end as well as Bama did. Uh, so clearly Texas saw something there. Sanders had like seven or eight targets in the game. So this could be a return to form for Loveland, uh, who was pretty good against Ohio State, and they were really prominently featuring him. In that game, what else did I like here? Um uh, Penix interception has gotten bet out of range for me. It, it's it's yes is minus two thirty now. So, um, what's no at? Maybe I'll just mess around with yeah. that a little bit. I'll <laughs> be like plus one one fifty one sixty. They, yeah. they juice these things like crazy. Uh, obviously, another one uh, that I, I hit a little earlier. Jalen Polk to be the leading receiver at there's like some nine and eight hundred out there. I don't think that's crazy. Okay. If you if they're really focused on taking away a Dunesday and, and Polk gets one of the deep balls and maybe two or three screens he catches, it, like eighty or ninety yards could lead the could lead the game in receiving. There's no guarantee that somebody has a hundred yards, right? Um, so that's one to look out for. There's also like the Polk uh, alt line receiving. If you want to play an over on one of these Washington guys, I think his seventy nine and a half plus two forty, and also. I've loved Jalen Polk for a long time, like since I saw him in high school. And so you're like, just cashing out right here. See, that's the kind of attitude I like to see, bud. Thank emotional you. Emotional Jalen Polk betting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Polk, by the way, if you don't want to go alt line and you only have to lay minus 114, 53 and a half, uh, that's a number that is, is definitely, definitely reasonable. Um, let me get that Jack West over, over 29 and a half. If you're going to be concerned about trying to eliminate everything on the perimeter, that's going to open up some opportunities for Westover over the middle. Somebody who's been big in some of the biggest games, you know, you got to think that you might need, you might need three receptions, not necessarily, but you know, an eight yarder, a 15 yarder, and then, you know, one other one might be able to get you the rest of the way. But in terms of, you know, th that's not a game script play as much as it is just sort of a matchup play where if, if you're trying to make sure that you're not getting beat by Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk, well, then there's going to be some opportunities against um, over the middle of the field for Westover. I think he definitely gets enough targets to get over 29 and a half. Uh, we'll see if he would be able to uh, to pull down those catches to get us the rest of the way. Uh, the four props I have bet in this game, <clears throat> we mentioned it, Donovan Edwards over rushing. The Jack Westover one you just mentioned, Chip, because Michigan's defense does not give up much to anything in the passing game all year to anybody, but tight ends have tended to have a decent amount of success against them. So I think Westover is kind of a forgotten man in that offense, and I think he'll have opportunities tonight. Uh, Michael Penix, longest completion under 44 and a half. Hmm. Just 
Michigan, I think their game plan is going to be to keep everything underneath as best as possible. It's kind of what they do well all year. They haven't given up a lot of passing plays over 45 yards. And then finally, Blake Cor- Blake Corm's longest rush under 21 and a half. Going back to what I've talked about with Corm and the lack of explosiveness, I think he's got eight carries of more than 20 yards all season long. And I think that Michigan is going to be very much the same style it has been all year. They're, they don't mind using him as a battering ram. And like in the last couple of years, he was able to break some of those battering ram runs for long, long touchdowns. But he just hasn't been able to do that this year. And I think under, I don't, he might have some 15-yard carries. I don't think he's going to have any 22-yard carries. I got one for you. Let's go. Michael Penix under two and a half yards rushing. Yeah. I mean, I, everyone's like, ooh, he's able to run the ball against Texas. I don't think they're going to be able to replicate that. I think he's be running for his life a lot. I do think they get to him. I know they only gave up 11 sacks. I do not think he's going to have positive yardage to, uh, and, tonight. And for the bet, the sack yard, like a, a, a Josiah Stewart sack would count negatively against his rushing total. Yeah. But his sack avoidance is so good. But even if he sack avoids, I don't think he's going to run for much positive yardage. And all it takes is one sack. I, I do think Michigan is going to try to pressure him, right? If you're Michigan, yes. you have to trust the sample set. And the sample set is that Penix actually has not been amazing under pressure this year. He was like lights out against Texas. And just, I mean, I, I, like I, I it, it was almost like watching just a, an amazing pitcher in a playoff game. It's like, all right, we're just screwed today. This guy's just painting the corner with heat. Like, all right, what are you going to do with this? It, um, so, yeah, I, I think that they will probably get more sacks on him than normal. Um, but he's hard to get down. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So the other reason why I wanted to point this out, uh, because Washington faced almost no 12 personnel this year, I do think there's a chance Michigan goes a lot more heavy formation. Thus, the other reason why I don't love the receiver you know, over totals. You see some 13 out there. Wait, yeah. you see some 13 for personnel. what? Oh, 13 personnel. Yeah, not a line. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Bredesen, I think. Max Bredesen. Okay. He's the third tag. Do you like McCarthy line. rush yards over at 21? Yeah. Kind, I, 21's a little too high. Like, I was looking at that, but then when I saw it was in the 20s, I was like, because he, I, I do expect he'll take a sack that would kill that. Or he'll yeah, just run a, out of bounds while scrambling and rolling out and lose three yards because he he does that sometimes and God it just drives me nuts. Braylon, Braylon tries to record a sack plus one hundred two. Mm, you know, Trice like he, I would probably go against that if you can because Trice was not a great sack guy all year. He got a bunch of sacks against Texas, but he's he's been a pressure guy. Doesn't always get home though. Braylon tries to not record a sack minus one thirty, endorsed by Tom Fernelli right here. <laughs> oh no, that's way too heavily juiced. But yeah, I'd rather be on that than to get one. I, I actually don't hate the minus one thirty for not um, to record a sack, just because I, I don't think that like how many times is McCarthy going to throw the ball? Right, twenty five. Maybe if Washington scoring a lot of points, then he's probably having to throw a lot, and then maybe that's that's a poor bet. Uh, but um, if you think have- that Michigan can run the football. J.J. McCarthy pass attempts, 26 and a half. Even 26 and a half feels high. Right? I mean, game script. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see him yeah. sitting on like a 16 for 21 kind of day. And Michigan wins the national championship. 16 That's- of 21 for 185 yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sounds perfect. 
and a touchdown pass to Colson Loveland. Cash it. Anytime touchdown score. Three to one. Let's go. Um, all right. Final words before we get out of here. Last thoughts before we – the next time we are with you. Yeah, that's right. You get two Cover 3 podcasts in one day. And thanks to us kicking off at 7.30 Eastern time, not 9 o'clock Eastern time, we might actually be live here on Monday instead of uh, after midnight. So, um, Tom, get, get us what f- Final thoughts before we, uh, we kick this thing off. Uh, it's going to be a good game, and I look very <laughs> forward to watching it and making giant sweeping conclusions because of it. All right. Danny? I hope it's a good game. And I hope the kickoff is actually – I hope the game is actually at 7.30 because I know it says that, but when does it ever kick off? Probably going to kick off at 8, you know. Um, I hope it's a good game. I think – I mean, I'd love to see – I'm on Michigan. I'd love to see Washington prove me wrong. Um, But get ready for the Harbaugh speculation like the minute the kick ends. And then Harbaugh will pull up J.J. McCarthy and say, no, 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 talk to him. (laughs) I'll go run the other way. Oh, that's right. The on-field interview gonna have oh, to. They can't do that. Whoever's doing it cannot ask him after the game. That would be they will. a disservice. But then you kind of have I, to, right? I think you have to. It's your yeah. job as a reporter. Like, and Harbaugh is free to dodge it as he probably will. Who's calling the case? Oh, sometimes Chris, right? Yeah. I've been told sometimes they, they Harbaugh they will only talk to Marty Smith. That's like his guy. Think, sometimes they kind no of feel like, hey. That's does good. that surprise you? No, it doesn't surprise me, but I mean, it's like, I'm all right. We'll see. Maybe yeah. not. I, you know what? I just hope for Herbie's sake that this game isn't a blowout. I'd hate for him to have to watch a blowout. I know how much he hates us. Wouldn't feel that bad. <laughs> uh, but final thoughts? Uh, final thought is I do really appreciate everybody who supported us all year, and it's been a great season. We hope to see you guys live, and I uh, I just think it's such a cool like matchup with styles make fights and, and these teams go about it in such different ways. And and I think it will be an interesting chess match. And and I don't know, like maybe the result is that one team just takes and just, you know, hammer smashes the chessboard and, and it, it, that's what it is. But uh, I'm, I'm excited. It, it's cool. And I, I just think it's good for the sport that we have new blood playing in this game. For sure. Um, lo- I like that a lot. I, I think that if we, unless you are a Michigan or Washington fan, I think you are in a can't lose scenario tonight. We either have like the end of a run of Michigan football <laughs> that, you know, that, that whether Harbaugh put it to the side, that team is gone. Like that team is, is going to be graduating onto the NFL with some people saying they might even give Georgia a run for their money in terms of the most players off one team selected in the NFL draft. And if it's Washington and Washington wins this this has been an all-time playoff run by Michael Penix Jr. and the Huskies, who have been doubted at every single turn, continually proving people wrong. From a story perspective, stuff that's fun to talk about, I really don't think we can lose. So we'll be excited to break it all down with y'all when the game goes to triple zeros. We'll be live shortly thereafter at youtube.com slash cover three. So come and hang out. Uh, Danny Cannell, part of CBS Sports HQ's coverage live in Houston. Uh, CBS Sports HQ, you'll also be able to see Tom and I uh, throughout the evening halftime show and the like. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See See y'all.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 